Welcome to College Hockey Southwest Weekly, brought to you by Sprint, the best phones on the best network, a brighter future for all. College Bar and Grill, check out our new location, 740 South Mill Avenue in Tempe. Behind the Mask, serving the Valley hockey community since 1994. OxyPow, our chemical-free line of cleaning products, gets the funk out of your equipment or office. M-Drive, for energy, stamina, recovery. Ice Den Scottsdale, practice home of the Arizona Coyotes, also in Chandler. College Hockey Southwest Weekly is part of the IcetimeHockeySW.com network. Here are your hosts, Scott Strandy and Paul Hornstein. All right, welcome in hockey fans in the desert southwest to another episode, another edition of College Hockey Southwest Weekly. Uh, Scott Strandy, live here from Scottsdale, Arizona, as we continue on in our, uh, our quarantine, if you will, from uh, uh, the stay-at-home order, which is still in effect in Arizona, at least until the 15th of March, although a lot of places are starting to open up and things are starting to uh, go in different directions so let's hope it's all for the good folks uh you know you look at the numbers sometimes and it kind of makes you a bit nervous but right now we just uh hope things will continue on as uh the downward curve as they say or flattening the curve and things begin to get better because we do miss our sports we do miss our regular normal life so lots of things happening out there my co-host joining me from beautiful long island new york paul hornstein is with me paul how are you this evening uh, apparently a little bit noisier on entry than normal. Uh, I don't know what the heck happened there, but you know, Hey, whatever. I mean, <laughs> I didn't hear a thing. That's good. <laughs> uh, that's good. Cause I did. And I don't, I don't know where all of a sudden the telephone noise came from. So, uh, we're good. You know, hey, it is what it is. And, uh, uh, we're together for another hour and, uh, we'll go from there. Well, you sound great. If that counts for anything, how are things out on Long Island with the, the quarantine life and the pandemic going on and how are things? Um, I spend a little more time on the computer than I'd like, but uh, that's the nature of what my job is right now. Uh, you know, it's one thing to be looking up to, you know, any ASU or Sun Devil hockey mentions on a Twitter account. It's another thing to, uh, it's just, anti-intuitive to be teaching a phys ed class on a computer. Right. So. <laughs> well, rumor has it you've no. gotten a uh, uh, master's degree in Zoom technology, I understand. Uh, yeah, well, uh, <laughs> we started using that, and I'm much more comfortable with that platform. Um, but uh, the, the platform had its uh, weaknesses, shall we say, Oh, uh, especially when, good job. especially <laughs> when we didn't know really what was going to happen. And the New York city department of education said, uh, no, we're going to use this platform. Um, <laughs> I'm sure that that was altruistic and, and so forth and so on. But, uh, uh, you know, cause I would never provide any stretch of the imagination, <laughs> accuse any government agency of putting their hands in their pockets when they're not empty. <laughs> I would never do that. Oh man. The sarcasm is flowing early folks. We're looking forward to it. We've got a great guest with us today, Paul. Uh, I know somebody you and I have both uh, known for a while and probably we've wanted to have on the show and hopefully things will, will be as good as, as we anticipate with Jeff Metcalf. So yeah. give us a little lead into Jeff and, and how long have you known Jeff? Because a lot longer than me, but you've known him for a long time. I I, I have. Uh, Jeff was, and I don't know if he's listening right now, and maybe I'm probably better off not, but uh, Jeff was uh, doing his job uh, at the Republic when I was a student. Now, how early into my uh, years as a student? Probably pretty early. Maybe not. I mean, he probably was doing it when I was a freshman, uh, in September of 82, we can ask him. Um, but I really got knee deep into the athletic program, 
uh, in my second go around, so to speak, uh, in in '84 uh, when I went back to school. I took a year off. We won't talk about why. Um, <laughs> I, well, one thing we can say it wasn't COVID nineteen related. So no, it was not. Clear that up right now. <laughs> no, but there might have been some Corona involved, but we're not going to talk about that. Um, and you notice but, how uh, I said COVID-19 and you went immediately to the Corona side? Well, you know, you have to be true to your personality. Um, so I, I know Jeff a really long time, um, you know, as a, as, as, you know, in, in a, as a, prof- you know, as professionals, so to speak, um, uh, we and and uh, Jeff puts a lot of interesting stuff on Twitter that's uh, not ASU related. He's into a lot of old movies and old music and uh, a lot of the same kind of pop culture things that I kind of like, uh, especially music wise. So uh, we have some of those conversations too. Uh, so it's it's uh, it's it's nice to be able to to chat about something else. Um, but. Um, you know, he's covered ASU football and baseball and their Olympic sports for a long time. Um, and so it, it, he definitely will have the most, you know, the, the most uh, university perspective, the university athletic perspective uh, of anybody because he's, he's covered it all. So um, yeah, look forward exactly to that. We brought him on. Uh, <laughs> and it's it's actually been a pretty busy week here um, because Team 61 now exists. Well, sort of, at least, anyway. Um, and uh, you, were, you were on the press conference? The, uh, the conference. I, I was, and uh, we spoke to the athletic director. And, and we're talking know, about – let's go back up here a little bit. Yeah. It's Long okay. Island University, correct? L-I-U. That's correct. It is Long Island University. The Sharks. The Sharks they started a women's program. Uh, a year ago that one they actually were able to get into a conference right away because there were uh, some other teams that didn't have enough teams to form a, a, a conference. Um, and they were team six. So they were able to get a division one conference together uh, with some, some new England schools. Um, but this came out of nowhere and, and, and people have been talking about Illinois and Navy and Oakland university and Michigan and the, the issues going on up at St. Thomas, up in your neck of the woods in Minnesota, and how these teams are in UNLV, and, and everybody's always trying to nip at the edges for that other school and, and the, the school on the west side of town. Um, you, know, uh, you know, but this came out of the blue. I mean, you talk to any – body in the college hockey world and they had no idea none and so that uh, that begs a question paul uh and i hate to interrupt you but that begs the question what uh how is this all gonna go i mean how do you bring this together so quickly that nobody even had an idea about it you need to find a coach you need to have a staff you need to have players you need to have i don't know travel budget man oh man that seems uh really lofty between now and the start I, of the I, hockey season this I, year I, and the schedule. How do you get a schedule? I, I don't know. I, uh, Scott, I mean, I'm going to assume and I hope once they name the coach, even though uh, Long Island is not exactly the Southwest, that uh, we get a chance to have somebody on from that staff just to kind of fill us in on what's going on. But I have to imagine that their first year schedule will be very much like ASU's when they made the jump from ACHA to D1, where it's going to be a mix of schools from D1, D3, and some, you know, some club teams. Stony Brook, uh, who if you had any money on if there was ever going to be a team on Long Island or a school on Long Island that was going to, that was going to be the, the, the one to make this right. jump, uh, has been a club power for a while. Yes, um, absolutely they have. Uh, the tie into the desert southwest with that is UNLV has been to Stony Brook, and I believe Stony Brook is coming to UNLV this year, if I'm not mistaken. So there is a tie into the desert southwest there. And if people like I'll always make one. And, well, and if you talk about LIU, we're talking about 
Um, probably they will reach out to the other independent, which right now is Arizona State, and see if they can't get a home and home with them. Uh, I, I think they'd be foolish if they didn't. Um, but, well, you know, there's a tie in there. And then also the tie in the fact that Arizona State was team number 60, and now LIU takes over the role of the younger brother, if you will, on team number 61. Well, I, I kind of said that uh, for anybody that read the uh, the blog the blog post, um, they do kind of come in as ASU's baby brother. Uh, nobody's going to be Penn State, I don't think. You know, uh, and if Illinois does come in, um, it, it was they they got a, a building built, a donut, a you know the the Bagulas to donate money to get an entire new building. Um, if Illinois comes in, it'll kind of be along the same lines as Penn State. Um, and and just for argument's sake, say that all of a sudden Navy decided they wanted to play. Um, you know, that's kind of ready-made territory for them with Army and Air Force being in Atlantic hockey. So um, LIU is going to be a lot more like ASU in terms of uh, how they develop their program in terms of, you know, where they're starting from, et cetera, except, you know, as we'll talk about in a little bit, they have a little bit of an advantage in terms of building, but that's the only thing they have uh, in terms of, 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 you know, on ASU, because obviously ASU has much more resources, bigger school. Um, but that doesn't mean I'm, I'm rooting against LIU. Quite the contrary. I'm rooting for them uh, 99.9%. Obviously, if they play ASU, I'm not going to root. But, you know, you get the point. Yeah, well, and here's here's my thought of it. I, like I announced on Twitter, the moment that I found out about it was, A, I'm happy for it because that shows growth in NCAA. It also, uh, B, leaves a roadmap, so to speak, for other schools that want to make the jump to show if they can be successful in, in their transition. That makes it a lot easier, again, for, for you know, top club teams to go to their universities and say, Hey, look at ASU did it. Now LIU did it uh, and, and go down the, the line. But, but thirdly, and this is really selfish on my part. Um, uh, I, I was fearful that, that Mr. Grando was going to decide he was going to go be their building block. <laughs> uh, tongue, I say that little... tongue in cheek, obviously, but, yeah, I know. <laughs> right. but, but that was my um, first thought. I'm going like, okay, we didn't have a player from long Island out here. We had you, right? Well, yeah, well, no, actually, I'm from Queens. <laughs> so, so as soon as I heard that, I'm like, oh, we just get this kid from Long Island. We've been waiting to watch him get on the ice, and all of a sudden, there's a team in his backyard now. Oh, great! How's that going to work out? But I think Mr. Grando is going to be here. Uh, yeah, I don't think he's going anywhere. Um, you know, it's a, a situation where, um, you know, I have. You know, a situation where Long Island has produced a lot of players. Oh yeah, no and doubt. and I didn't even get to them all on the blog post. Uh, and they, and you were still three thousand words. <laughs> yeah, I mean, was it really three thousand words? No, no I'm joking. holy smokes! Was I'm it? joking. I didn't. I didn't do oh. a word count. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I thought yeah, it was, it was, maybe you did, folks. Folks, let me tell you: if you haven't been to the IceTimeHockeySW.com website, get there because the blog is fantastic. It's very well done. Uh, kudos to my co-host for doing such a great job as he always does on those blogs. I, when I throw them at him, I surprise him. I say, "How about a blog?" and He's got it done in about 15 minutes. So great job as always. Well, uh, listen, sometimes it's just stream of consciousness. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Okay, so so we got that. Um, I, I talked a little bit last week um, about my trip. Last Friday, I made a 13-hour round trip to uh, go to Vegas. And the purpose for my trip was I've determined that the month of May is going to be bounce back building month. It, we have a great program going. If you want to join our, us as corporate partners, the bounce back uh, builder program is out there for businesses right now. Um, you can shoot me an email at ITHSW sales. I'll be happy to touch base with you on that. But also I wanted to talk about the building that's continuing um, through the pandemic. We don't have any games on the ice, but man, oh man, I go to Henderson, Nevada, and I see two 
beautiful ice sheets being constructed and the construction work was blowing right on through no matter how much pandemic was uh, was trying to stop it. And then I find out that the city council in Henderson has voted uh, on a bond measure for the 6,000 seat AHL facility. Um, so I wanted to see that. Then I went up and reminisced about three years earlier when I saw city national almost nearing completion. Um, and I joke with people and I say, man, Vegas has taken this seriously because they're going to have five new ice sheets, not including T-Mobile, in the span of about five years. So it's, uh, it's incredible what they've done, and that just tells you how much hockey in the desert southwest has taken off. And I just think that that leaves Arizona in a great spot because they have somebody that's laying the groundwork for them and, and continuing on. So that, that's well, just my soapbox, and, and we're going to do a, a Sunday special right on through the month of May talking about building, whether it be in this, the program or new sheets or locker rooms. We're going to talk about building for the month of May. This is what I'll say, okay? Um, go anywhere, whether it's Vegas or the Valley. or um, How much free ice time is there? Not I mean, much. when there's no pandemic. That's right. Not much. And and every every almost every second of every day is filled uh, in one way, shape, or form uh, with rec leagues and youth leagues and so forth and so on. There's not enough ice anywhere. And well, like as, as you said uh, last night to Jesse Granger, every minute of those that those rinks are not being used by uh, the Golden Knights or whatever they name the AHL team and and so forth and so on. Um, those rinks are going to be, those rinks are going to be busy every, every minute of the day. Uh, and the same thing happens in Arizona um, between the ice dens and Oceanside and, and, and the various ice facilities there. They're always packed. There's, there's, there's never a dull moment. Uh, okay, maybe nine o'clock in the morning, but that's about it. Yeah, well, no. <laughs> just, okay. ask the, just ask the ASU women's team that's on the ice at seven a.m. or they're they're completing their uh, their practices by nine a.m. So. Oh, but you get the point. There's no ice yeah. time. There's not yeah. enough yeah. ice. Absolutely. So and, and the more know, rinks you build, and I know you don't think anything exists south of the, the valley. But when I talked to Coach Berman at the University of Arizona, he tells Who? me what? that. What? Where? Yeah. What? <laughs> he tells me that he feels bad for the youth in Tucson because they're not getting a chance to come out and play hockey or learn the game because they don't have any ice sheets. So and yeah, he it's... also feels bad for the parents that have to drive, you know, 90 to 150 miles to find ice in, in the valley for their kids. So it, it's crazy. It really is. And, you know, it's yeah. – uh, it, it's just something that I think is going to grow. But I thought one thing that I got out of Jesse last night that, that, that will stick with me, it, it's kind of reinforced what I thought, but he said the only problem with the buildings uh, of hockey rinks in Vegas is they can't build them fast enough. People are on them. Yeah, to get but that's them anywhere. That's faster. Look, yeah, the well, Ducks had that facility they built in California, right? They're all yeah. done. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. They're all full all the time too. Yep, absolutely. So. Well, let's take a quick break. Let's come back and uh, and introduce Jeff in just a, a minute or two, and, and Paul and I will be right back with you as well. Celebrating 25 years of exceptional service to the Arizona hockey community, offering the top brands and an educated staff of hockey players to help you choose the right year for you. Visit any one of our three Valley locations or check us out online at BehindTheMask.com. At the heart of any good cocktail is the quality of the spirit used. And if you want to make the best margaritas, or if you just want a straight shot of the best tasting tequila, then Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila is the brand for you. Award-winning Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila has the taste you want to make perfectly blended cocktails, whether you're celebrating an overtime game winner with friends or relaxing by the pool after a long work day. Find your bottle, be it in Arizona or elsewhere in the U.S., Visit us at Mexican Moonshine.com. Award-winning taste since 2011. All right, we're back. Scott Strandy live in Scottsdale, Arizona. 
Paul Hornstein joining me from his beautiful palatial estate on Long Island, New York. Yeah. And we're very pleased and very proud to uh, introduce our, our next guest, our guest for the evening, Jeff Metcalf with the uh, Arizona Republic and AZ Central Sports. Jeff, first of all, Scott and Paul with you. Thanks for joining us tonight. And how are you? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Well, we're, we're hanging yeah, out. Yeah, we're. There, Jeff. Uh... Go ahead, Paul. Yeah, we're 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 we're, we're uh, uh, trying to fill the time, you know, trying to do what we have to do, and like everybody else. Yeah, well, it's been a crazy time, that's for sure. Um, yeah. You know, I kind of have March twelfth in my head as the, um, uh, you know, line in the sand day when they canceled, you know, uh, not only the basketball tournaments but everything for the winter and the spring and. You know, now here we are on May fifth. <laughs> I think we've made a we maybe have made a little progress, but um, it's been a long haul from March twelfth to May fifth. Yeah, you know, Je- there's Jeff, no you, doubt. You make your living like we do with uh, with sports, and uh, you know, specifically for you working with Arizona State, I, I'm guessing it had to be as big a shock to you as any of us when all of a sudden, like you say, on March 12th, everything came to a screaming halt. I remember seeing you at, at the arena for the last home series for, for Arizona State, and none of us at that time thought we'd be talking about no hockey. We thought maybe we'd be talking about a, another NCAA tournament. Yeah, I think, uh, am I right, the 22nd was supposed to be the um, uh, the, the tournament uh, field annou- announcement, March 22nd, I think? Yeah, I believe and, you're correct. And- yeah. So anyway, you yeah. know, that's that's what everybody was looking forward to. And so, you know, you to have the plug pulled on March 12th, 10 days before you even got to selection day. Um, I, I mean, I know it was just a huge shock and huge disappointment to to Greg Powers and, and everybody with that program, because really, I still find it mind blowing what they've done the last two seasons. And maybe it is for you guys, too. But I think if you followed this team at all and you've seen what they've done over those two years and in that short a period of being a varsity program, um, I don't know how far they would have gone this year. I know they felt like they could be very competitive. And and actually, they were competitive the first year, too, to be honest with you. I mean, that was a competitive game they played, you know, the, the, the first time in the tournament. But um yeah, I mean, you know, I just felt really bad for uh, for all those players. And then, of course, I was I cover baseball, I cover women's basketball, <laughs> so there were there was a lot yeah. of disappoint a lot of disappointment to go around during that time period. Yeah, and I, and, and, I, and I want to get to that a little bit too after we uh, we we talk about some of this because uh, nobody can give the perspective uh, of the university athletic program the way you can. You've seen just about everything. Um, you know, you and I have known each other a long time. Uh, I, I don't know if, if, it, if, if, if you're happy with me saying you, you were working when I was a student uh, or not. But, uh, you know, so we've known each other a long time. And nobody can give the perspective of this department and what's, go- and, and, and what's happened uh, better than you can. So, um you know, I want to touch on that too, not just the hockey stuff. So, well, I guess I appreciate you saying that. I mean, you know, there's something to there's something to longevity, in just in the sense of having institutional knowledge. And right. when when I got here, which was in 1985, um, there were a lot of people with a lot of institutional knowledge who, for one reason or another, aren't around anymore. <clears throat> And right. so it kind of falls on the people that are, and there's just not many people that have been around as long as I have. So you try to, you have to try to uphold that the best you can. And, you know, when people ask you, uh, well, you know, what can you land from a historical standpoint, you try to do the best you can, even if you don't feel like you're as qualified as the people that came before you. <laughs> yeah, I, I understand that. So, uh, I don't know if you want to start, Scott, or you want me to to, to, to go there, or what do you want to go do? Go ahead, Paul. Go ahead. You're ready. Okay. Well, Jeff, I, I you know, we've been going around with the uh, with the the building on campus for a long time. Uh, we've all had rumors and heard rumors, and uh, but you wrote an article uh, a couple of weeks ago. It was the first time. Uh, 
that anything was said publicly about a building. Um, as far as you know, has anything changed since then? Are they still planning to start in November? Yeah, so I can give you a little bit of background on that. Um, it was around that period that we're talking about, the middle of March, third week of March, when I heard that they had submitted, um, they had submitted a, a revised capital project plan to the Board of Regents, what, what's called their Finance and Capital Committee, uh, for that for their approval. And so <clears throat> I got the details on that and wrote a story around that time period, um, basically saying what the changes were from what they had been originally. And most people might remember that the original plan was to build the multi-purpose arena right on the east side of Wells Fargo, well, not Wells Fargo, Desert Financial Arena. <laughs> I got to keep all my names straight here. So right on, right on the east side of the basketball arena where that small parking lot is, that was the original plan. And then um, as they set about trying to find a developer, they apparently came up with the idea that that wasn't the best location after all. And in this revised capital, pro capital plan, that's where the first time it came out that they were going to actually build it on Packard Drive just... Uh, north of where the parking garage is at 6th Street and Packard Drive, if you can imagine that in your head, that parking parking structure there, just to the north of that, sort of adjacent to the track stadium, right? Um, in that area that's just a, you know between the parking garage and what and Packard Stadium. So okay. most people pro probably know what we're talking about there. And this was around the middle of March, and it went uh, it w went to the to the finance and the capital committee for the board of regents. Then they, from there, it gets forwarded to the full board of regents. And that's mm -hmm. where it still gets a little bit murky because no one can yet tell exactly if the full board of regents approved it or not. <laughs> they've had one meeting okay. since, they've had one meeting since then around the 1st of April. Right. And I haven't been able to get anyone to hundred percent confirm to me that they, approved the project, the full board approved the project. But since then, I've talked to Ray Anderson less than two weeks ago, it was on April 24th. And I asked Ray about that, whether the coronavirus uh, pandemic, um, you know, if, if it was gonna delay, because in the, in the um, there was about a 14 page document that went to the finance committee. And in there, they said that they were gonna break ground on November 1st. Okay. And so I asked him if that had changed, and he said no, that it had not changed. And now I've been by there a couple times, and I don't know if you guys have or not, but if you go by there, you can see that they are doing, already started doing what they call soil samples. They've mm -hmm. torn up some of that parking lot and actually posted a little video of that a few days ago, the last time I was by there. And okay. so whether that's just considered to be the soil sample stage and not the actual groundbreaking. I, I'm kind of going with that right now as they're in the soil sample stage. <laughs> but uh, they're obviously not going backwards. There's a fence around that whole parking lot and you can't get into it at all. And then I'm assuming at some point, let's just say November 1st for sake of argument, they will actually have a true groundbreaking. But from my conversation with Ray Anderson on April 24th, I had no reason to believe that there was anything that was going to slow it down, at least at this point. I guess with this COVID thing, we don't know. You know, it's still everything is kind of in flux and in play. But right. I don't think there's any reason to think right now that it's not. In fact, he told me it's an important project to them uh, for hockey, particularly, you know, when it comes to having the, the facility and as they move forward to trying to find a conference to play in. Right, And then on top of that, the multi-purpose part of this includes not only other sports playing in there, but it also includes other uses for the community where it can actually be a money-making um, money facility. They're going to have a, a management company run it. Athletics is actually not going to run it. They've, they've already picked out the company that's going to run it for them. So... Um, 
as of right now, I don't see any indication that they're they're not going to proceed with it. And, you know, certainly um, I think the hockey team has been pretty patient. And um, I think, you know, it's a big it's a big priority for them. I'd say right now that's their number one athletic capital project priority. Right. Well, you know, because like I said, it's 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 been kind of walked around and walked around and, and we understand the politics of it. Um, so, you know, we've just kind of uh, just kind of tried to be patient along with everybody else. Most of the time, I'm not going to lie. I, I've made a few comments every once in a while, but um, <laughs> you know, um, well, I don't, know your you, I don't know if you looked at the uh, information that came out that went to the finance committee, but there's quite a bit of detail in there. I mean, this is it's the most detailed description of what this building is going to look like that I've seen to this point. Right. Um, have not seen that. I've seen some things uh, uh, almost like an aerial view of what it's supposed to look like, that whole area when it's done. Uh, but, you know, and that's that's been publicly available. Uh, so, you know, obviously the 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 issue now is, you know, hopefully that the pandemic doesn't uh, slow anything down. Um, from your perspective, and, you know, we haven't had this conversation five years ago when they announced they were starting this program. What was your immediate thought? Uh, well, I. How shocked were you? I was pretty, pretty shocked just that they could they could identify and get, you know, one main booster and some ancillary boosters to pull right. this off to not only fund um, hockey, but they've also funded lacrosse, women's lacrosse, and they funded, basically funded triathlon with the money that came from that donation, at least initially. Right. So, you know, in today's world where, you know, men's sports have a hard time hanging on, even if you, they're already in your program. To to find someone, I think that would be willing to to put that amount of money up. I I don't know. Yeah, I'd say I was pretty shocked. <laughs> well, it, it's it, nobody can fault uh, Ray Anderson for being aggressive because he was interviewed a couple of weeks ago on another platform, and when they asked him what sport he wanted to add, he said all of them. So. Uh, nobody can question his commitment to not only keeping things as is, but making them bigger. So, um, and people should be all for that. Well, I think Ray, you know, you know Ray, you know, has his critics, but I think he also had to a lot of people in the athletic community that are advocates of gender equity, um, Olympic sports, uh, you know, and ha having the kind of broad-based program that that Michael Crow talks about, that that you know, is, you see at Stanford, you see at some of the other Pac-12 schools, um, to actually put teeth into that and kind of back that up with your actions, you can't really complain about that unless you just don't think you should be doing it. <laughs> and right. there's probably probably people out there that say, you know, why the heck do we need a hockey program in the desert? Yeah, sure. You know what? What do we need men's tennis back for? Uh, let's just put all of everything into football or men's basketball. Or, but that's not that's not what President Crow believes, and that's not what Ray believes. So, you know, the reality of it is, as long as they're in the positions they're in, it's going to be this kind of program because that's what they want to have. Right. You know. Just, um, hold on one second. Go ahead, Scott. Go no, go ahead. Uh, uh, Jeff, when you look at the program and you've been around it, uh, you know, for a number of years, so you've seen different athletic directors, and it, is there any doubt that, that Ray Anderson is the most progressive across the board in what he wants to do with the athletic program at ASU? Or do you remember times when there were other athletic directors that maybe wanted to do this, but for whatever reason couldn't do it? Well, um, I mean, ASU has been away, been a incubator for athletic directors who have gone on to some amazing things right if you think yeah. about it you know if you think about 
Kevin, uh, you know, now he's at Duke, but he was at Notre Dame. Kevin White, you think about Gene Smith now being at Ohio State. Um, you know, when they hired Lisa Love, that was kind of being out there. There weren't very many women in that position at that time. There's probably not even today for that matter. So, you know, they've done some interesting things at that position. They haven't all worked. Um, and some of them were people that used them as stepping stones, like I just mentioned, to go on to other places. Right. But I think through it all, and especially since um, Crow has been here, I think they've tried to find a progressive um forward-thinking person that's going to kind of look out of the box and and not let what what some would perceive as limitations that you can't get past not let them stop you and i think to some degree <clears throat> ray has been ray has been the perfect person for that coming from the nfl because he had a lot of things that he had to deal with there and he saw what the nfl did, did and how creatively they were able to kind of become the big monster on the you know, in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's kind of opened them up to saying, okay, well, yeah, we are open for business and we are willing to do these things. If we can find a way to do it, let's go out and see if we can do that instead of saying, well, there's just no way. I mean, you know, we're not even going to entertain the idea of a hockey team because it's not possible to get it done, you know, or we're not going to find, you know, he put up some of his own money to get, bring men's tennis back. And then they brought right. in a, they brought in Adidas, which has big, you know, does a considerable amount of tennis business and found a way to bring that back, you know, and then now you've got Title IX concerns that you have to adjust, you know, um, adapt to as you go along with anything that you do with a men's sport. So, you know, there's a, there's a lot of creative things they've done. This whole COVID thing has been interesting because there are a lot of sports that feel like, you know, we could lose our position, you know, a men's soccer team, uh, a wrestling team, you know, right. we, we could get cut because of this. And the group of five conferences, as a matter of fact, have tried to get the NCAA to lower the number of sports that you have to sponsor, you know, because for a two to four year period because of this COVID crisis, which would probably mean sports being eliminated that would never come back after that, right. even if they moved it back up. And I wrote a story about this recently too. And the people in the the people in the uh, Olympic sport realm of things, particularly to them, Ray Anderson is kind of a hero <laughs> because <laughs> because he's been the person that's been out there, really willing to you know, like I said, you know, uh, you know, walk the talk if you want to put it that way. Right. And so you know, they you they cite them as an example of you know. Hey, Arizona State's done this, and um, you know there's no reason that you have to start eliminating us. Find other ways, but don't take us out. And you know we can't recover from extinction. That's kind of their mantra. These yeah. these Olympic Olympic sports and men's sports. We'll work with you, and we'll find a way. But don't don't eliminate us. Yeah, ask SMU in football, right? Well, yeah, that was yeah, that was the death penalty, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you know, even then, you're talking about how long and how hard it was to bring football back. Right. So, you uh, sp speaking of the Olympic sports, uh, yes, people are going to look at it as a hockey building, but there are some of the other teams that are likely to play uh, some, if not all, of their matches in that building. Uh, you know, we've heard stories about volleyball and wrestling and gymnastics uh, how do you think this building will affect them you know if you've had a chance to talk to anybody about that yeah well i think those three are are exactly the ones that will be in that building and <clears throat> anybody who's been around there much knows that desert financial arena is pretty much overcrowded so they, they can really use this building um there's been a little bit of talk about women's basketball but I really doubt that they would move women's basketball over there unless there was, it was just, you know, kind of an odd one-off type game or something like that. It's going to have 5,000 seats. Right. Um, at least that's what they're saying right now. And I think a lot of those sports that you just mentioned, that's the perfect size for them. I think with women's basketball, you want to keep trying to grow it. You want to keep trying right. to get it up 
to where you could have 7,000 to 10,000 or something like that. And particularly when they get eventually around to renovating that building, they're mm -hmm. going to lower that capacity down. They're going to put in some, um, some more clubs and suites and stuff like that and, and make it kind of like what they've done with Sun Devil Stadium where the capacity is going to come down, but the overall amenities are going to go up. That's eventually what they have in mind with the basketball arena as well. So right. personally, I'd rather see women's basketball stay over there and try to grow that um, attendance up, which, of course, Charlie Turnthorne has tried to do. She's had a great program. Um, so hopefully they can continue to go that route. And then um, but those other sports, I mean, you know, I, I love volleyball. I'm a big right. advocate of volleyball. And if you could get three or four thousand people in there for volleyball match making a lot of noise i i believe hockey i believe it's going to be fantastic um i'm so excited to see them in a <laughs> in a five thousand seat <laughs> arena because i think it's going to become i think it's going to it's already got a really strong kind of cult following anyway right but i think it's only going to grow more and i think people coming in here to play asu in that arena I don't know. I just think it's going to be a really, a really tough place for opponents to come into. Well, I, I can't say that we're all going to argue with that. Um, and, and, and I think you're right, because I think that the reason why you've seen uh, the SEC and the Big Ten uh, specifically uh, really take the lead in a lot of Olympic sports, especially volleyball, is because they've built these facilities that give these schools a big home a home court advantage, and when you, and when they're bringing recruits in that uh, are seeing a, a five thousand seat building uh, with four thousand people in, to, in it, as opposed to uh, the big basketball arena that feels empty, uh, I think people would much rather play there. Right. Well, I think there's something to be said for that, and there are places um, in the SEC and in other college, what I call college only towns, you know, that don't right. have pro sports. And you right. see that they some of those Olympic sports are have a huge, uh, you know, whether you want to call it a niche following or not, but they have a huge following. <laughs> they they can draw fantastic, you know, Nebraska volleyball, Utah gymnastics. Um, you know, there's they probably go on and on. Actually, I, I've got to, I'd have to think about it a little more, but sure, there there are just some some of these places where there's no pro sports where. You know, people embrace these Olympic sports and it becomes a big part of what what their whole um, fan base is all about. And I think hockey is going to be like that here. I really do. I think hockey is already well on its way. I mean, you know, we know what the limitations at Oceanside are. Sure. Um, but it's still you go in there and it's, you know, I, I'm sure a lot of these schools come in here and go, what the heck? Are, <laughs> what am I doing here? <laughs> You know, and some just, you know, want to go over and play in Glendale or they want to play one of the games in Glendale or whatnot. But, um, you know, you know, even just over there, I think it's an exciting product and I think it's only going to be more so, you know, right on campus. You know, Jeff, you were you kind of led me into my next question for you was uh, it, when you look at it and a lot of people will say, well, college hockey can't succeed in the desert southwest because of this this and this but most of the time they'll come out and say it's because of professional sports right it's a it's a four professional sport city valley what's your thoughts on that you, you kind of already expressed them but tell me just a little bit what you think about growing a fan base for college hockey in a new building yeah well you know uh i covered baseball and i first got here, I covered baseball when Jim Brock was still the coach. So I guess that goes back to how long I've been around. But <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> um, I remember Coach Brock saying, when Major League Baseball comes, it's going to be it's going to be the death of college baseball. And he was not optimistic at all. You know, and obviously that program was king at that time, you know, coming off Bobby Winkles and then into what Jim Brock did. We're talking about well, we're talking about the mid '80s now, but you know sure. what they had done, what they had done in in up through '81 when they won their last championship, and then even beyond that when they were just a national power. I mean, he really felt like, you know, a pro team was a, a major league team. They already had, you know, the minor league team here, but he thought a major league team would just 
be horrible for college baseball. And to be honest with you, I don't think it's really turned out that way. Um, I think they've done a fantastic job moving over to Phoenix and Uni. They, I used to be in favor of them going to the Cubs stadium when they were building Sloan Park. I used to think that was the best thing, but now I've become convinced that this was the right move because it's their own home. They've been able to brand it and, and make it feel like it's an ASU venue when you go in there. And, you know, they, they have basically control of it. They can do what they want. If they want to move the fences in some, they can move the fences in. They want to put a brand new batting facility and new bullpens in there. They can do that. They don't have, they're not a tenant. They're the owner essentially. So I think they've done a great, a great job, you know, keeping college baseball alive and relevant in this market. Now, yes, they got to get back to the World Series. <laughs> and there's a lot of people that, yeah. you know, the expectations have not been met on the field what they want. But um, I still think it's it's probably one of the ASU programs that goes into every year with the highest expectation level, um, you know, of, of all of ASU sports. Well, I mean, listen. people go in thinking we should be going to the College World Series every year. <laughs> and so listen, anyway, to, there's truth to that. Yeah. And then I think to bring it back to hockey. OK, they've gone two years in a row. Well, they should have gone, would have gone two years in a row to the NCAA tournament. And I don't think Greg has any intention of that dropping off. And he's done a great job recruiting to Oceanside. What's right. he going to do to be able to recruit to this new, brand new 5,000 seat facility? And people have to realize, too, if you've been to seeing what the beginning of the Novus Corridor is going to look like, um, that area where the fraternities and sororities used to be, just a little bit south of 6th Street, you know, that's all being developed right now. That's finally giving people an idea of what the entire corridor from rural and university to rural and Rio Salado and then rural and Rio Salado over to McClintock along where the golf course used to be is going to look like, I mean, I think it's been really hard for people to imagine. You mean you're developing all of that? Right. And they are, I mean, they, they have plans to develop all of that entire 300 acres of what's called the, the athletic, the athletic district. You know, now the Novus Corridor is the official name for that. So I just think you, when you open up your mind to what that's eventually going to look like all the way around there and think about what Greg Powers is going to be recruiting to in that new building, I just see unlimited opportunity there for this program to, you know, get to the Frozen Four. And, and, and I, I mean, I would sound silly maybe to say this, maybe not to you guys, but to the general public, I mean, I think they're going to be sooner than later. I think they're going to be a national championship contender. No, we're all for that. I know that. I totally <laughs> agree with you, Jeff. Uh, when I get a chance to visit with Coach Powers every week, um, I, I told him this year when I looked at the squad, I thought, you're really good, right? But this group of kids that he's bringing in along with the, the juniors that are going to turn into seniors this upcoming season, it might be um, 25 do I dare say 30 win college hockey team? I mean, that's how good Calm it down. looks on paper. Calm down. So, <laughs> so we just want to see those guys on the ice. And and uh, you're absolutely correct. If they can get into a new facility, that's going to uh, just enhance what they have right now. When I talk to the players on a weekly basis, I always ask them, you know, what do you think about Oceanside? And and the first words out of their mouth is, um, well, we love it here. <laughs> <laughs> so they're well, very politically I, I, correct, but they understand where they are. Yeah, and I think they've been troopers about the whole thing, to be honest with you. Um, oh, 100%. And, and, and they haven't let it limit what they can do. You know, we're going to continue to grow this program. I remember Greg saying that early on. We're not waiting for the building. Right. <laughs> we're, right. we're, we're growing the program now, you know, and – then he had he got some players in here. He got Brinson in here. He got you know Joey Decord in here. He got people in here that saw the vision of what he was trying to do. And sure enough, you know the next thing you've got 22 wins, you know, and you're basically going to the NCAA tournament. Which let's face it, it's a pretty small field. 
Yep. <laughs> and you, yep. you're going to the NCAA tournament for the second straight year. And I know Greg is saying now that he thinks next year's team is going to be even better, which he said about this year's team, and that more or less proved to be true, even changing goaltenders. That more or less proved to be true, and I think he thinks the same thing could happen next year too. Yep, I'm yeah. right with that. Paul, you got a final question for uh, for Jeff? No, I just uh, uh, just wanted to say to thanks to Jeff for coming on and giving us uh, so much time. Uh, some of that institutional memory he's talking about, I was there with him for it. Uh, you know, and I, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna applaud both you guys for not saying anything about the chuck box on this whole, whole <laughs> podcast because I know you love it, right? I, I do. I, it, I, I, if I could figure – if I would – if I told you, every the, the few times I've been back, I don't even go to a hotel. I go straight to the chuck box in the airport. So, you Well, know. I, the one thing I'll say about that is, you know, anything – any establishment that's got institutional heritage like that, <laughs> you, you kind of want to embrace it because with all the changes, like if you drive along that Rio Salado between rural going over to mill, whoever thought that would look like a mini Manhattan? I mean, it's incredible. I didn't even that, recognize a place. Yeah. It's, it's incredible what it looks like. And, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, in some ways I embrace that the whole new sure. Waymill Ave Waymill Avenue is now, but you know, there's something there that was there that people remember from the eighties and early nineties. That's been lost some character that's not there anymore. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I can, I can, I, and I totally understand that because I, I told Scott when I was there two years ago, if you're in the guts of the campus, it still feels the same when you're outside of it, especially if you hadn't been there and as long as I hadn't been there, uh, you you kind of try to figure out where you are because you're not sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I agree with that too. Yeah. The first thing that Paul said to me when we took, when I took him from the airport was, "What's that body of water there? That used to be a ditch." <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Metcalf, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for all the insight on the building. Uh, I hope you don't mind if we reach at you again when we get a little closer to November to. To, to follow up on this, but it's really exciting stuff for Arizona State, not only hockey, but all of the Olympic sports, and you do a great job covering it all for us. Thanks for joining us tonight. Yeah, thank you very much. Anytime, uh, I'll, I'll be glad to join you. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Jeff. Can you see you? All right, we'll take another quick break. Paul and I will be back to wrap up another episode of College Hockey Southwest Weekly in just a minute. Hey, Michael here from M-Drive. My dad, a world-class scientist, actually made M-Drive for himself to stay active and continue enjoying life. And yes, M-Drive supports healthy testosterone, but it's so much more. M-Drive is the everyday supplement to fuel your drive with more energy and more strength. Listen, we'd love for you to try M-Drive too. Visit mdriveformen.com and we'll give you 20% off your first purchase. Just type in the code DRIVE at checkout. Refine your prime with M-Drive. I can't wait to get to Las Vegas and check out the fortress. Going to see the Golden Knights? No. Stopping at Jesse Ray's Barbecue for lunch. Oh, that fortress. That combination of brisket, hot links, fries, mac and cheese, surrounded by a fence of ribs? I'm in. Exactly. Jesse Ray's Barbecue, located at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard, right behind the Mandalay Bay Hotel. Check out their pulled pork, smoked chicken, or the fall off the bone baby back ribs. Jesse Ray's Barbecue has been voted the best barbecue in Las Vegas two years running. So whether it's a midday meal or a pregame feast, head to Jesse Ray's Barbecue for all their award-winning tastes. Hi everybody, this is Jay from OxyPal. You probably know our products for being used on your gear to eliminate the odor and bacteria from your sports gear and, and your gym and all that stuff. Um, in, in light of current events, uh, we have uh, switched up and added a new product to our production line. It's called our Have a Nice Day Hand Sanitizer. Um, it is exclusively for use on your skin, whereas our other uh, products have been exclusively for use on your fabrics and, and, and gear. Uh, this product is available here at my shop. It's available on my website at www.oxypow.com. And you can pick it up or we can ship it to you anywhere in the United States. Three 
team like a pro, post-game like a champion at College Bar and Grill. Located across the street from the iconic A Mountain and Sun Devil Stadium and a quick walk from Wells Fargo Arena, College Bar and Grill is your home for the best local craft beer, delicious creative cocktails, tasty food, and Tempe's best atmosphere for Arizona State Athletics. College Bar and Grill, pregame like a pro, postgame like a champion. Online at ilovecollege.co. All right, we're back. Scott Strandy live in Scottsdale, Arizona. Paul Hornstein joining me from the luxurious palatial estate, as I like to call it now, out on yeah. Long Island, New York. And uh, palatial, Paul's, all right. Paul's kind of given me uh, some insight that he might be above the, the numbers of three and four starting the temperature out there. Is that correct? Um, maybe. <laughs> it, it, it's fun. Uh, not necessarily at night, but I, I, I can't be that picky, right? During the day, he's gotten some fives and the odd six here and i think one day even started with a seven but that was just one day uh there was it was no triple digits not yet anyway okay stop a minute i gotta wipe the sweat from my brow because it's 107 yeah. here today oh, that's it okay. <laughs> bring it on <laughs> yeah all right so what a great guest to have jeff on i know you've known jeff for a long time but to bring him on and get the insight into what we've all been waiting for for arizona state hockey is yeah, of course, we all want the national championship, but we also want to see this building because we know what it'll do. Just your thoughts before we wrap things up tonight on uh, Jeff's insight and, and what he was able to give us. Well, listen, um, it 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 is nice, and 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 I, you know, I mentioned it before that, you know, we we I've made the comments, you haven't, but I've made them, um, and we kind of understand uh, that. You know, due to time and circumstances, maybe you're, you're not going to have the big giant ceremony that you might have wanted to have. But uh, I'll, I'll take progress. Uh, you know, uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's 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 at least it's out there now and people have far less questions. Uh, I don't really have anybody saying anything to me anymore about uh, is, is this ever really going to happen or uh, what's the story? So uh, that's become less and less of an issue, and 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 that's good because that's kind of what we just asked for in the first place, right? Exactly. Well, so, we got about three minutes left, so uh, I'm going to let you wrap it up with uh, a salute to our uh, our great sponsors that keep us on the air every week, and uh, and we'll say goodbye for now. And I, I told you we're going to have stuff to talk about all summer long, and this is just the beginning. Go yeah. Ahead, Paul. It, yeah, it, it certainly doesn't seem like it's slowing down, and I'm very grateful for that. College Hockey Southwest Weekly has been brought to you by Sprint, a brighter future for all. See our friend Andre in Paradise Valley store at Cactus and Tatum, and let him find you the right deal. Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila for the best margaritas and more. Go to MexicanMoonshine.com. By Jesse Ray's Barbecue in Las Vegas. Call ahead for pickup or citywide delivery with a fee at 1-702. 541-5546 or go to jessieraysbarbecue.com. Behind the Mask, the season might be on hold, but your need for equipment isn't. Order online at behindthemask.com or call 1-480-998-1260 for curbside pickup. For Buy summer skates, shower shoes, koozies, and more. Show your game in comfort and style. Visit summerskates.com. The College Bar and Grill, call them at one 1- 480-588-6451. Place your order to pick up lunch or dinner on your way home. Oceanside Ice Arena, home of the Devil's Hockey Shop for all of your ASU hockey merchandise. By OxyPal, introducing our new line of all-natural hand sanitizers. Visit our full line of natural cleaning products at oxypow.com. By M-Drive, go to mdriveformen.com. Use the promo Code ICE time SW at checkout for 20% off. M Drive for energy, stamina, and recovery. Buy the Ice Den Chandler and Scottsdale. Practice home of the Arizona Coyotes and home of the Coyotes Youth Development Program. College Hockey Southwest Weekly and all of the Ice Time SW podcasts are live every week on the Podbean app and available for download at the iTunes Store, Podbean, the Google Play Store, Spotify, and Stitcher. College Hockey Southwest Weekly is a part of the Ice Time Hockey SW.com network. Wow. 
that was impressive and uh, it gets better every week, folks. We absolutely love it. Like I said, we want to remind you that you can jump on board our bounce back business builder program, get an exceptional bargain on a corporate partnership for not only 12 months, Paul, but 14 months at a 75% discount. So if you want to kickstart your business, now's the time to do it. In addition, uh, Big thank you to Roger Klein and the Peacemakers, as uh, I know Roger's putting on his concert right now uh, on YouTube, but Roger's given us the, uh, the leeway to go ahead and play some of his music as we do open and close and on other projects that we will use. So thank you, Roger Klein and the Peacemakers. And a final shout out, from my end at least, to uh, our corporate partner of the week, Jesse Ray's Barbecue. As I told you, Paul, I made a 13-hour round trip to Vegas not just to look at hockey buildings, but to get some Jesse Ray's barbecue. And I was able to come home with some barbecue sauce for you, my friend, which will be in the mail. Excellent. We will. I'll let you know how it tastes next week. All right. Sounds great, folks. Thanks for joining us on College Hockey Southwest Weekly. Uh, We're going to let Roger Klein and the Peacemakers take us away with a little Hello New Day for uh, Scott Strandy and Paul Hornstein. Have a great evening.